was a Bitcoin. is up bitcoiners i just had an amazing conversation with wit gibbs the co-founder and ceo of compass mining for all of you who do not know who compass mining is it is the hottest service provider in the mining space they are lowering the barrier to entry for anyone and everyone to get into mining they are removing a lot of the unprofessionalism and a lot of the kind of sketchiness that has been a part of the Bitcoin mining industry since its inception, and they are taking it to uh, you know the levels of professionalism that real service providers, real um, consumers in you know <laughs> everywhere across the globe kind of expect out of a legitimate business and industry, uh, and they are creating the ultimate marketplace to bring miners and hardware producers and uh, rack space and hosting providers all together and enable them to do business together and make it as easy as possible, as safe as possible for people to be a part of the Bitcoin mining ecosystem. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this podcast. A lot of insight into building a Bitcoin only industry, where mining is going and what Compass is bringing next. So without further ado, let's just get into this podcast with Wit Gibbs. Bitcoiners, I am sitting across from a legend in the Bitcoin mining space, someone who is, uh, you know, had to go through some tribulations trying to build a uh, a, a like a massive value add type of mining business uh, that is not just, you know, your typical mining. Um, Whit Gibbs, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. Thanks, CK. Appreciate having you uh, having me on, man. Good to talk yeah, to man. you. I feel like it's been a while. I think the last time we actually talked face to face was uh, on your podcast with me uh, shilling Bitcoin 2021. Yeah, dude, I don't even think we saw each other at Bitcoin 20. That, that was, by the way, an amazing event. Um, yeah. And honestly, probably a big part of why Compass is where it is today. Wow. Well, uh, I would love to hear about some of those uh, some of those stories. I'm sure a lot of uh, opportunities kind of came from just having 13,000 Bitcoiners in the same place in Miami. For sure. I mean, like we we went in there, and for us at that point in the company, um, it was a it was a, a big expense, right? So we wanted to get the most out of it. So we like had our whole team in. We we're like, look, we're gonna put on a full assault and educate every Bitcoiner on uh, on mining being available to them. And then you guys just like this godsend of a gift. You put us right at the entrance to the speaking the the main speaking hall. So literally everyone that was going in to see people speak, we we're right there in their face, um, and it was great. And then we had our uh, our IV hydration station there for everyone who uh, maybe had a little too much fun the night before. So that was a big one. But yeah, it was it was a great event. We had a blast. Well, yeah. Hey, you can you can uh, thank Mr. John Krisovich for the primo uh, location, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we will be hooking you guys up once again at Bitcoin 2022. You all were like one of the very first sponsors, so I have to give you a huge shout out and a thank you for you know jumping straight into uh, to this next conference that's coming up next year. I mean, do you talk about things coming full circle? The conference this year is being held in the same hall where I graduated high school, so. <laughs> That's nice. a crazy Miami thing. Beach uh, Convention Center. 
Yeah. It's yep. absolutely massive. It's a it's huge enormous. space. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the bathroom situation is going to be much improved, y'all. So for all those Bitcoiners <laughs> who are queuing up for the bathroom, Miami Convention Center has lots of very nice bathrooms. So uh, that's going to be the, a big improvement. <laughs> the The last convention that I was in, in that uh, convention center, I was in the, the shipping industry at that time. And they literally had a full-size cigarette boat, like tilted on its side in the middle of one of the convention halls. And it still wasn't, wasn't taking up nearly any space. Those things, are, I mean, the halls are massive. It's going to be a great event. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, I'm not going to uh, spill the beans quite yet, but we will have some massive, insane installations at Bitcoin 2022. So uh, more details to follow, but let's stop talking about the Bitcoin conference and let's start talking about you your journey to Compass Mining and how you started building, you know, potentially one of the most impactful, um, you know, mining companies to date, right? Uh, I think there's a lot of like really Thanks, big corporate miners, uh, but there's very few people that are actually making mining as accessible um, as, you know, what Compass is doing. So uh, send it back to you, I guess, you know, just talk to me about like getting into the Bitcoin industry and trying to, you know, carve a path out as an entrepreneur and kind of that journey. Yeah, I mean, I think myself, like many others, um, we come for the money and we stay for the revolution, right? Like when I started to get involved, it was just how can I make more money for my family? You know, I'd missed the dot com boom. I was too young at the time. So when, you know, everyone started talking about Bitcoin uh, and my circle of friends, it was really like mid 2017 when everyone started talking about it. So it wasn't like we were super early, uh, although, you know, in due time, everyone listening now will still be very early. Uh, it was just this thing where I felt like it was it was my shot, right? I had done pretty well for myself in the corporate world, had just stopped working at a, a company called puppyspot.com. Um, and I was like, look, talk to my wife. I'm like, this is this is it. It's it's time. We're gonna we're gonna go all in, we're gonna figure this out. And uh, and that's what we did, you know, took all of our savings, also took out a forty thousand dollar loan bought Bitcoin at the top, almost the top, like 17 and a half K. Um, and then I did, I think what a lot of people do when they're, you know, at first just trying to make as much money as possible. I looked at everything, right? I wasn't just Bitcoin only. I was shit coins and uh, mining altcoins and trying to figure out like, how can I make as much money as humanly possible? And, um, you know, it was probably Q1 where I tapped into a, a group of traders who really taught me about the strategy of like, if you're going to touch alts, your strategy should be to use those altcoins to accumulate more Bitcoin, right? And that really got me started down the rabbit hole because I'm like, all right, well, if the purpose of the altcoins is to accumulate more Bitcoin, then shouldn't I just be more focused on Bitcoin? I mean, doesn't it make sense to just like skip the whole altcoin thing altogether? Um, so that, you know, that was an evolution for me. I started mining myself uh, by, you know, building a computer to mine Ravencoin. And that was where really where I started diving down the, the rabbit hole. I started the hash rate podcast in uh, October of 2018. And through that was able to start you know, learning a lot about mining from people in the industry. And as time evolved, I just realized that, you know, mining is great. There are a lot of, you know, cool proof of work projects that are out there, but when it comes to being long-term viable and having the ability to, uh, really add value to a community that's going to be around for a long period of time, there's really only Bitcoin mining, right? 
at that time, there was basically Bitcoin and ETH as the two biggies. And as time has evolved, we started to see you know ETH move to proof of stake. And uh, all of these things have proved out to where Bitcoin is the focus. And I'm glad that I, I chose to focus on that. Um, and if you listen to the hash rate podcast, you'll notice that like right around 2019, we went from being kind of like an everything podcast to really just focusing entirely on Bitcoin. And that shift happened 2019, 2020. Um, and we launched the Compass platform in October of 2020. So before you launched Compass, you you know doing the Hashrate podcast. Hashrate was also software. It was like mining software, right? And intelligence. Uh, am I correct on that? Can you talk about like uh, you know a little bit more about that learning process and kind of just figuring out um, you know what what kind of services miners actually want? Yeah. So obviously at, at the time when we first started Hashrate, um, it was me and a group of guys and everyone was very big into GPU mining, all of us. And the thought was that we would craft this software that could be used for GPU or ASIC miners to manage their machines, right? Um, what we quickly realized is that it's really hard to get product market fit with software that nobody wants to pay for. So when you're producing software for the mining community, generally the mining community is a community of people who they can hack together their own solutions. They can uh, find ways to gamify most things. Uh, so we, we didn't get a lot of traction with people who wanted to purchase software. And it was really a pretty epic fail um, when it comes to, to that side of, uh, of the business and our first real foray into uh, building a business in the, the ecosystem. Uh, but I learned a lot of lessons from that. You know, there was a lot that was taken from from the time with Hashrate and all that that was, uh, and then you know transitioning over to a more trained focus on Bitcoin and helping more people get involved in Bitcoin mining. Uh, I was able to take a lot of the lessons that were were learned from Hashrate when starting Compass. Okay, so let's talk about Compass. Like, what was the insight to like? Okay, like I guess you know, and let me just back up really quick. This idea that anyone can take part in mining was not a popular idea in 2017, 2018, 2019. Like there's a lot of like people who are like, oh, I want a GPU mine at home. You know, proof of stake is great because you can do it at home. All these Bitcoin miners are getting industrialized and centralized and all this stuff. And I think there was always a massive demand for just you know, smaller entities, whether it's individuals or a group of individuals, or even, you know, a, a smaller company to actually get involved with, you know, mining and, and generating Bitcoin out of electricity. But, you know, it, it was always something that seemed to just have a massive kind of barrier. Um, what was kind of the insight to like, we should actually lean into this and kind of solve this problem and, and enable, you know, these different, you know, levels of, of uh, participants to actually partake in mining. So I wanted to start mining Bitcoin. I mean, that's really what it came down to, right? I was looking into it. I didn't have the money to be an industrial miner. So how does a, you know, a guy with not a whole lot of resources get started mining? Um, and I went to Google, right? And when you started to Google, how do you mine Bitcoin or how do I get into Bitcoin mining or all of these things? And this is as a person who has insight into the industry, right? I've been running a podcast and speaking to people for almost two years about it. I found that all of the results were cloud mining opportunities or um, these uh, very shady ways that people could get involved in mining. Um, none of those struck me as realistic ways to really support the, the Bitcoin ecosystem or to generate Bitcoin. 
so then I started to look at what are the other alternatives. And I started to call around to some of these service providers that are out there that offer mining for the, you know, air quotes, little guy. And I would call, I would call and they would literally just tell me to come back when I had more money. And I'm like, Hey, look, I want to buy X amount of dollars worth of, uh, worth of ASICs and get started. They're like, well, you don't meet our minimums. Come back when you're ready to buy, you know, five times what you're saying you want to buy now. So I got to thinking, I'm like, look, if this is how they treat everyone and what's like 10,000 bucks is not, it's not a small sum of money. If, if someone wants to get started with mining, it's, it's 10, 10 grand. That's a lot. So if we're going to make the barrier to entry bigger than 10,000 bucks, I mean, it's very, it's a very small chance that we're ever going to get really mass adoption for mining. So as I was talking to Thomas Heller, Paul Oscar, the other founders of Compass, like, look, how do we get this barrier of entry lower? Like for one, for us, right? So we can start mining. Um, but the thought is like, if we want to get started mining and, you know, 20, 50, 70, a hundred grand is too much for us to invest. Chances are, there's a lot of people that are been, so if we can get this down to like five, 10 grand, maybe there's more people that would want to do this also. And that was really the spark. Like that's where it all started. Okay. Well, what happened next? <laughs> so from there, it was really, uh, just about figuring out how we could do that. Like, how do we still like, how are we able to, to lower that barrier of, barrier of entry and still tap into the same economies of scale to make mining um, economically feasible for people, right? Because there's, there's two aspects of it. You can get people involved in mining, but getting started isn't going to keep them going. To keep going, it has to make sense. You have to be able to accumulate enough Bitcoin to justify the means that you're putting in to get started, right? So we started to play around with these economics. How do we make this work? Um, so we thought, all right, maybe we could just group together large purchases and then we could go to these facilities and we could say, hey, look, we've got a hundred units. We want to host them with you. What's the best power rate you can give us? And we started to do this. And we realized that as we were approaching more and more facilities, uh, their level of service was okay. But these are people who were like used to managing data centers, right? They're not used to customer service and, and customer support. It wasn't there in their wheelhouse. And it was squarely in our wheelhouse. So like, all right, we may actually have a business here. What we should do is instead of thinking of it like this thing where we can just group together buys in the facilities, we should build like an Airbnb for Bitcoin mining. And that was really the initial thought is we'll, we'll create a platform, we'll screen facilities, we'll give them the ability to list their available space through us. We'll sell machines to people who need to buy machines. We'll help them host. We will manage the entire process for them. And then we'll provide great customer service and treat these people like VIPs so that they want to keep doing business with us. As they expand their mining operations, they'll expand with us because they, they feel comfortable, they enjoy the experience, et cetera. Um, and that's really, that, that was where it went. That was the next evolution of the process after we had that you know, spark of an idea that we thought we might have something on our hands. No, I love, I love the way that you framed it as like, we're going to create the Airbnb. It's like, you're creating the two, you're, you're bringing together the two-sided marketplace that was just, they weren't communicating at all. And you like remove that friction. And I think that that is, you know, a, a really huge uh, improvement. Um, so I guess I want to talk a little bit about the team, right? So Sure. I've been super, super impressed with the the group of people you've been able to kind of bring on board. And, and uh, you know, obviously the product you're building is absolutely fantastic. And a lot of people are noticing, but can you talk about like, you know, 2019, you went Bitcoin only. Uh, you used to be working with a lot of these GPU miners. You started working with Thomas Heller and, you know, bringing in the Zach Bowles and stuff like that. Like talk about like, how did you go about thinking about, okay, we have something here. Now let's, let's go take this to market and build like a rockstar team. So team is everything, right? For, for us, we've known that like our product, 
our, our products will grow, our, our products will thrive, but our core culture and our, our business is going to be based on the foundation that we build with our team. So when we're out and we're talking to people, um, especially like a Thomas, when Thomas and I linked up on the podcast and we had a great conversation after that, we just started like developing a friendship, right? And we connected over Bitcoin and the idea of helping people get, get started mining. Um, and it was just, it was this infectious energy that we were able to, to have with each other. And then we started talking to our other friends in the industry. And what happened is our energy and our, like this infectious um, belief in what we were doing really just rubbed off on other people. When we would talk to a Zach Full, he would get fired up about like the idea of being able to create Bitcoin mining focused content and lead the charge in helping more people have actionable info on mining, right? So uh, that, that was how he came on board. And he started really like five months before he officially joined, he started writing our newsletter. Um, it was huge. It gave him the ability to like test the waters of what it would be like to you know manage his own content team. Um, and then in May, June, when he came over, he was ready to make the leap. Um, and then a lot of our Compass team is actually, they started as customers. You know, they were Bitcoiners. They signed up for Compass. They bought a machine. They enjoyed the experience. And then they're like, man, there's something here and I'd love to help them grow. And how we've always, like our, our ethos is, and it's a kind of a running joke inside the, like Ian Whitney on Twitter, you'll probably get a job um, because that tends to be how it works, right? Like people are like, oh, you know, I'm a Compass customer. I've used your service. Here's a way I think you can improve. Uh, you know, would you be willing to offer me a job to come in and help you make those improvements? And a lot of the times I'll take an interview with somebody. And if they really can pitch an idea of how they can help us improve, I'll hire them. You know, we're all about it. If you've got a belief in the company, a belief in Bitcoin, and you've got the, the skill set and the wherewithal to make something good happen for other people in the industry, let's fucking go. All right, Bitcoiners, I want to tell you about our newest sponsor. This show is brought to you by Ledin.io. I have been super, super impressed with the guys over at Ledin. I've actually known the co-founders, Adam and Mauricio, for a very long time. I've had the pleasure to watch them build Ledin up from a tiny, tiny startup to now a super impressive institutional grade Bitcoin and crypto lender. Y'all. I'm so impressed with these guys. They are offering some of the best rates out there. I don't think anyone even comes close to touching them. You can get 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin that you deposit into Ledin interest accounts, and you can get 8.5% US on USDC deposits. I mean, I know all the competitors. They're not even close. If you're going to put your crypto and your Bitcoin into an interest account, Ledin is by far the best. And on top of that, like I said, these guys are hardcore Bitcoiners and they know the products and the services that Bitcoiners want and appreciate. They come up with B2X. It allows you to put your Bitcoin in, they leverage it up, and you can, with one click of the mouse, get twice the exposure to Bitcoin. So if you're super bullish, Ledin has you covered with a super, super easy way to get leverage with B2X. And then on top of that, they know that Bitcoiners care about your reserves. They know that Bitcoiners don't like under-reserved and not full-reserved financial institutions. So they are pushing the frontier in transparency in the digital asset lending space. And they are the first digital asset lender to do a full proof of reserves and proof of attestation through a Mariano LLC, a public accounting firm. So the letting guys, they know what Bitcoin is like. They are legit. I encourage you guys to check them out. Do your own research and go to ledin.io. That is L-E-D-N.io and learn more. 
That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about like who is using Compass Mining? Like what's the, what's the average uh, kind of person jumping onto the platform? It's a great question. So when we first started, it was institutional and it was a little bit freaky for us, right? Because 99% of our business was in the hands of five or six big buyers. And from a company standpoint, it, it freaks you out because are they going to be there next month? Is that going to sustain? And we thought it would take us like 18 months before uh, retail, right? The I hate to call them smaller because it makes them sound insignificant, but let's say the non-institutional crowd started to get involved mining Bitcoin. And you know what really made the pendulum swing for us was Bitcoin 2021. We noticed from April to May that institutional buyers were still the majority of our business. May to June, we still had institutional buyers, but after the first week of June, we started to see the pendulum swing. We started, once Bitcoiners knew that mining was now available to them through Compass and they could buy one machine and have it hosted, we noticed that we went from being 80, 90% institutional to 50, 60% institutional. And then the next month we were 70% retail. And then August, we finished at about 85% retail sales. Uh, and then September, almost 100% retail. And for us, it's super exciting because what this means is that dude, the, the plebs are here, they're here and they understand how the service works now. And it's all just now a matter of, of rack space. We know that if we can get more facility space available to the plebs, they're, they have validated the service, they want to use it, and we're going to be able to continue to serve them. I mean, the, the timeline, it, it kind of makes sense on multiple levels. And I'm kind of curious, like, how much was the opportunity of China banning Bitcoin and like that kind of like massive dip in equipment and Bitcoin prices have to do with like plebs kind of piling into Compass as the easiest way to get involved? Because I can't imagine that that wasn't a huge catalyst for a lot of, you know, enthusiasts to say, hey, I can mine right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When I mean, when China came out with that news, it was the crash in actually it was right before the conference, right? We're all joking about. How, how we're all going to roll in fat to Bitcoin 2021 with, uh, with Bitcoin pumped to you know, 70, 80K. And then it, it crashed right before. Uh, so there was this, this dip in hardware prices. And then you had the Chinese ban shortly after the conference. And that led to a massive spike in Bitcoin mining profitability. So the coupling of the decreased price of hardware with the increased profitability, and really it was a record never before seen increase in mining profitability that led to this surge of new interest in mining. And the thing with mining is, and we know this, miners know this, once you get started, you get addicted to hash rate. You get addicted to it. Like the dopamine hit on your phone is real. You refresh your pool, you see the sats that you've stacked and you got to get more machines. And it was a huge catalyst for us. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess I'm kind of just curious, like looking into like the hardware market right now, again, the, the ever-changing situation with, uh, with hash rate and supply chains, like what do you kind of see, you know, in, in the ecosystem? I know, you know, you, you all are obviously selling a lot of new equipment, um, you know, legacy old equipment and used equipment is something that is, is still a big deal uh, in overall hash rate. I guess, um, what, what's happening with the, like these ASICs? So they're still incredibly profitable, these old machines, right? If you're talking about S9s, you're talking about the 17 series, 
really anything that's been created since the S9s. If you can plug them in and they can hash, they are profitable right now. And they're profitable at almost every price of electricity. You can plug an S9 in, and I want to say the, the like it's profitable at 13 cents still. So, and that's crazy. That's like a residential power rate. So if you can plug these in, and most of the time the S9s are running for like, you know, one, two, three cents per kilowatt hour, they're, they're monstrously profitable. So we're not seeing the secondhand machines get sold back through the market yet, because why would you turn them off? Like if you're running them, just leave them plugged in. They're making you money and they're already paid for, for sure. So there's no harm in just leaving them running. Uh, when it comes to the new gens, the thing that I think we're going to see is hash rate's going to continue to increase, of course, but with each iteration of new machines, it seems like we're not seeing as big of a difference between performance. So like the, the S19 versus the S19J, right? They're almost the same hash rate. Uh, efficiency is very similar. You've got the new Bitmain machines that are going to come out soon. Uh, their hash rate is not really that much difference, or different from the previous generation. So I think we're going to see, whereas like when you're looking at the S17 to the S19, if you could get the S19, you certainly wanted to de-rack your S17 because it was almost a you know 100% bump in the hash rate. But now we're looking at it, those bumps are smaller and smaller. So there's going to be less incentive for people to de-rack old machines and rack new machines. So what they're going to do instead is expand their rack space and just add to rather than switching out because it's just incredibly profitable to keep everything plugged in. What's like, what's the deal with supply chains? You know, are people going to be able to get new machines still? Like, you know, I, I heard that like Bitmain sold all their S19 to like three or four really large public miners in the US. And, you know, all of those shipments are coming in at the end of this year. Um, and those contracts were signed at the beginning of the year. Like, you know, there's a lot of things going on geopolitically, uh, deglobalization, coronavirus restrictions. Like, how is that kind of playing into the dynamic of like new hash actually like hashing uh, capability and capacity, you know, coming online. It's a really important question. And it's one that we're, we're focused on every day. Uh, the supply chain issues that all service industry are facing are very real. Right. And this is part of the reason why, I mean, let's take ASICs out of it for a second. It's hard to build rack space right now. Uh, because transformers are delayed and the materials that you need to build are delayed. So it's really tough to be able to just get your business underway. Um, the other aspect that is uh, is important to consider is the ASICs, right? Like if you're thinking about how do you mine Bitcoin, you have to have the Bitcoin mining ASICs. Every, everything that's going on in China causes serious concerns for people in the industry. I mean, if the CCP is going to ban cryptocurrencies and they're going to ban Bitcoin, uh, then does that also mean that they're going to constrain the ability of Bitmain and MicroBT to produce these ASICs? Short answer is I don't think so, right? These, these companies have set up sites outside of China. So you've got Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia. Um, so, you know, I don't think that we're going to see the production be halted. I think that when it comes to the ASICs, they're actually the part of the supply chain that's actually the most predictable. So there are going to be some delays for sure because of the production uh, capacity that they have and, and potentially in these new facilities, it won't be quite as high at first, but it's not going to be as constrained as I think people think. Our biggest challenges are going to continue to be sourcing the building materials to support the growth that everybody's looking for. Interesting. So ASICs predictable, but building warehouses, racks, the, that kind of like more just standard traditional infrastructure that's where things get a little bit trickier yeah can you talk yeah, a little man. bit about I mean, it, oh go ahead 
Well, I was just going to pivot to asking about like, you know, where are you finding capacity for, for Rackspace? Like, I'm sure like you, you're working with partners across the globe. I don't know how proprietary that information is, but you know, where, where, where are you, where is there uh, capacity and, you know, where does Compass kind of uh, tap into that? So there isn't capacity anywhere, but we are, it's, it's blood from a stone right now, right? So we have an entire team that's just dedicated to putting new capacity online for us. And they're phenomenal. Actually, Thomas is leading this charge for the Compass team. So we've got, you know, 18 facilities right now that are going through the process of being approved. Um, of that, I would assume 50%, maybe a little bit less will actually be approved because even though there's rack space out there, a lot of it is shit. So, um, and that's no offense to, to the people who are running data centers out there. I know that there's a lot of people who um, are, are doing their best to get people's machines online uh, and no, no fault to them, but you know, for Compass, uh, it's not our machines that we're placing. So we are very, very strict on the facilities that we work with. Um, we, I mean, especially in our 12 months at the very beginning, we learned a lot of lessons by being quick to get people online at some of these facilities that didn't have to go through a strict screening process. So it's been, it's been refined, but for us, we're looking at Canada, the United States, South America, Scandinavia, Europe. Uh, and we are going to have facilities online in each of those within the next 12 months, um, upwards of, I mean, like right now we're targeting 600 megawatts worth of available capacity through compass in 2022. Uh, we may push that up higher. Um, but we certainly will have at least, at least 500 megawatts that will be online. Awesome. Uh, that's very, very interesting. Um, I'm kind of curious, like what does El Salvador and the developments there and, you know, you know, rumors of Panama and Uruguay and some of these other countries becoming more Bitcoin crypto friendly, like how does that play into the opportunity down South? I mean, dude, it's the most bullish thing ever. I mean, okay. So let's take compass out of the equation, right? Like will compass ever host machines in those countries? I don't know. A geopolitical risk is certainly a factor in our approval process. We would have to have boots on the ground. We don't have that right now, but take us out of the equation. It's so bullish that they're doing what they're doing. Like seeing the government in El Salvador using geothermal power to mine Bitcoin, even if it's a small scale, right? But a government pilot program and what is proving to be one of the most crypto Bitcoin friendly countries in the world is it's just dope to see. And there's going to be this cascading effect through all of Central America. I think we will see more countries fall to, to do the same thing. Uh, because I mean, look, it's going to take probably six months before El Salvador's balance sheet doubles. And that's all it's going to take for that entire area to start saying, Hey, look, we need to really give a look at this. We need to consider that this is the standard that we need to live by. Um, and it's awesome what they're doing. And I think that where he's being very forward thinking also is that he understands if he's going to have a big position in Bitcoin, he should have some exposure to mining. It's a matter of national security. If you're going to base your country's balance sheet, your currency is, is going to be Bitcoin, then you have to have data centers supporting its security um, so that it can't be commandeered or attacked by another nation. You know, this is one area where I think the United States uh, is like dr massively dropping the ball. They have access to a ton of power. They have access to existing data centers that aren't even established yet. The fact that they are not looking at how they can incentivize more mining within their borders is going to prove to be a monumental fuck up when it comes to national security. 
because it totally is. As we move towards the Bitcoin standard, which I know we all believe we're moving towards, you better have hash rate within your borders uh, because there's going to be other people that are accumulating it if you're not. Well, I mean, maybe the U.S. government is dropping the ball, but I don't think U.S. citizens are dropping the ball and U.S. corporations are dropping the ball. And even on the state level, um, I love to see like the the jurisdictional competition within the U.S. Uh, to, to bring on hash rate and, you know, seeing states like Kentucky and Texas, uh, you know, start making laws that are designed for enabling mining businesses. You're 100% correct. And thankfully, we have states' rights in the United States because, this is going to allow these states to compete to bring these businesses in. Uh, on a national level, what we need to start seeing is positive legislation and reinforcement that's going to support these businesses because Bitcoin mining is a capital intense business. You're talking about tens of millions of dollars to get a facility built out. Like you wanna build a hundred megawatt facility, let's call it you know 15 to $25 million just to build the facility, right? That's not even including the ASICs. You wanna do ASICs? You've got what, 300 million? I mean, maybe you'll get better pricing, but call it 150 to 200 million just in ASICs to fill 100 megawatts. So it's a lot of money that's going to be dumped into a facility. It would be great if our government could just be like, hey, you know, you guys are doing us a solid by bringing all this hash rate in. Maybe we could not in the ass in every uh, way, shape, and form. So I'm, I'm hopeful in the next few years, we're going to see our government taking a proactive stance in supporting the people who are leading the charge for this industry, as opposed to now where it's like trying to sneak things into certain bills here and there. No, no, totally. And I mean, you, I think you're talking about the infrastructure bill and some other stuff that's happening in for Washington, sure. but that has lit a fire under Bitcoiners asses, you know, and now we're seeing Bitcoin yeah. say we need Bitcoin only um, lobbying and we need Bitcoin only advocacy. And I think this is a good transition to, um, yeah. You know what Compass is doing on the education front for mining. You know you have mining memo. You're uh, you're doing video content. You're you brought on you know some incredible content creators and Will Foxley, uh, Zach yeah. Cole, or uh, sorry, uh, uh, Zach. Zach I'm blanking now. Zach, yeah, Zach, uh, yeah, and uh, and Lily too. Uh, Markets with Lily. You know several great. fantastic yeah. uh, Bitcoiners. Um, like talk about like there's a massive. Uh, information asymmetry when it comes to what mining actually does. There's an enormous amount of FUD around the environment, which is, you know, totally overblown mm. and, and kind of comes from a, a, a position of misunderstanding. How are you guys approaching actually bridging that gap? So I think the important thing to start with is the understanding that like, we all want to leave the world a better place, right? Like we do. So when this FUD comes out, you got to realize that it's headline reading. It's meant to, to incite a riot, right? And get people thinking that what this new technology is, is bad for them. It's bad for the environment. And um, but we look at it in a way like instead of combating it and saying, look, this is all bullshit. Like, stop talking about this. This doesn't make any sense. It's we are helping to just put the facts out. Right. So talking about the the idea of Bitcoin mining energy consumption as a feature, not a bug is an important thing. You know, if you're talking about the energy consumption that's used by the United States government to protect the dollar, I mean, Bitcoin mining is here and that, you know, that energy consumption is here. Uh, so if you're going to talk about replacing that as the standard of money, then we should hope that it takes a lot of energy to attack it. We should hope that the resilience is based on needing massive amounts of capital and massive amounts of energy to support it. Um, and then the other aspect is just putting things into perspective, right? Like even if you shut Bitcoin mining down, Bitcoin mining stops tomorrow, it doesn't do anything 
for the net carbon emissions in the world. It doesn't like not a thing. You won't even experience any kind of drawback from or any kind of positive benefit from that because Bitcoin mining uses less than 1%, actually almost 0.1% of all of the energy consumed globally is consumed by Bitcoin miners. So I mean, like that's, that's nothing, that's nothing. So why the question then becomes, why are people attacking it? Why do people attack the energy consumption, right? Because they know that if I attack something that I can say is damaging the world, it's damaging the environment, then these people who just read the headlines are going to say, oh, nope, can't have that. Got to get rid of Bitcoin. And it really is just an attack on Bitcoin itself. Has very little to do with the, the attack on the energy. No, totally. And Haspacook has been putting out fantastic work on Bitcoin mining, just trying to mm-hmm. um, break down you know, the, the differences in energy consumption and, you know, yep. and put things into perspective. And what is really interesting is the waste just from construction is like almost like 30 or 40 X the entire Bitcoin, uh, you know, mining, uh, capacity, the waste just from gas flaring could pyre the, the entire Bitcoin mining ecosystem, like 20 mm-hmm. or 30 times over. Uh, so, you know, we're like, if you really want to try to like save the environment, really curb carbon emissions, like there's a lot lower hanging fruit out there than, than taking down, uh, this, you know, perfect sound money that, you know, we're trying to build for the world. Yeah. And it's, it's also this idea that does anybody really care that much? Right. We're seeing, we're seeing nuclear power plants be taken offline, right? These nuclear power plants that uh, arguably produce the cleanest, most renewable energy on the planet. Um, And instead we're seeing the continued growth of wind and solar, which in a lot of ways used to build when solar power is, uh, built by slave labor and requires a ton of fossil fuels to actually produce the equipment and the gear needed to construct and, and generate wind and solar. So uh, we just, uh, you know, the tail's wagging the dog a bit here. And I think that this is, you know, just all a product of this mainstream media cycle that we've all kind of been sucked into. Um, but one thing that we're really excited about that I, I can speak about here because it's, it's coming and everyone should be paying attention to it. Um, Compass has always been very involved in everything that we can that is government facing, whether it's the Chamber of Digital Commerce to try to educate people in Washington, whether it's the Texas Blockchain Council to try to educate people in Texas. Um, Shout out to them, by the way, anyone who's in Austin on October 8th, definitely get to that conference, although this is going to air after that. Um, And then the other thing is that you mentioned there needs to be Bitcoin specific lobbying efforts. Uh, So we were reached out to by the folks over at Riot a couple of days ago. Um, and there is something that's being put together now. So very soon announcements will be made where people who want to just support Bitcoin's efforts in Washington or at the state and local levels, they're going to have a center that they can call on and say, all right, I'm going to dedicate some money. I'm going to dedicate some resources to supporting Bitcoin only lobbying efforts at the state and local and federal level. Bitcoiners, I am so excited to tell you about the Bitcoin 2022 conference. You guys, Bitcoin 2021 was absolutely a smash hit success. It was over 13,000 Bitcoiners coming together, breaking the barriers on who can come together and celebrate freedom, celebrate Bitcoin. And the energy was absolutely electric. 
unfortunately it was just oversubscribed there's just people flowing out everywhere and this year we are learning we are making the conference bigger and better we are moving over to the miami beach convention center and we are going to be throwing a massive four-day festival for bitcoin celebrating bitcoin bringing together the greatest minds in bitcoin and the greatest businesses in bitcoin and lastly the culture of bitcoin all together we have a four-day extravaganza planned for you guys for Bitcoin 2022. Uh, day one is going to be industry day. It is a day where you can buy a special ticket in order to uh, just mingle and make business deals happen. Day two and three is going to be a full-blown Bitcoin conference. This is our main conference. This is going to be on April 7th and 8th. And then lastly, we have the Sound Music Festival day four. Imagine going to Coachella. But for Bitcoin, there's going to be very few talks. It's going to be all about the culture of Bitcoin. It's going to be all about hanging with your fellow plebs. It is going to be an absolutely amazing time. There's going to be Bitcoin musicians, Bitcoin artists, and all your favorite Bitcoiners and just an amazing environment to party and just see it all, soak it all in, and to get people to realize that a Bitcoin world, a world filled with Bitcoin people doing Bitcoin things is the world that they want to live in. That's what Bitcoin 2022 is all about. That is what the Bitcoin conference is all about. That's what Bitcoin magazine is all about. So it is going to be a celebration of Bitcoin, the Bitcoiners, and this amazing movement that is going to make the world a better place. Go to b.tc forward slash conference. Learn more about the Bitcoin conference. Learn more about all the amazing things that are happening in Miami around the Bitcoin conference and buy your tickets. And guess what? If you buy your bit tickets with Bitcoin, you save $100 on all the tickets and $1,000 on the whale pass. So if you want the VIP pass, the, the big kahuna, if you buy with Bitcoin, you save $1,000. That's a lot of stats. So go and do it right now today. Don't wait. Prices are only going up. This is going to be a can't miss event. Let's go. Well, I know that's really exciting to hear about what y'all are doing with Riot, but y'all are not the only ones. And I think, again, the infrastructure debacle earlier this year woke up a yep. sleeping giant in the Bitcoin-only industry. And I, I really don't think that some of the incumbents in Washington and across the country um, know <laughs> know what they got themselves into. Um, wait, I want to transition to talk about what's next sure. for Compass. Uh, I know y'all are constantly innovating and building. Uh, and, you know, as the Airbnb, the Uber of the mining space, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot more to come. Uh, do you want to kind of give us any sneak peeks about what your team is hustling away at? Yeah, so October is going to be an exciting month for the industry, right? This is October. October. I mean, Bitcoin's pumping, the industry's pumping. There's more eyes than ever that are on the space. Uh, the big thing that we are pushing for this month is to officially launch the Compass Mining Marketplace, so we can make this a truly P2P experience for people, very similar to some of the existing marketplaces that are out there. You can come onto Compass, you can register as a vendor, you can sell through your machines to new customers. If you have hosting space that you want to list, you can come and go through our approval process, very in a more automated fashion, list your facility. And we're going to give people the ability to transact with each other rather than needing to go through a third party all the time. But Compass will guarantee these interactions and these transactions. So we're going to make sure that if you're going on, you're not on a Craigslist, you're not on an eBay, you're not just buying some random stuff from some Joe Nobody or some Anon online. 
they're verified. Funds will be held to make sure that anything that you're buying is able to be guaranteed. So your machine that you purchase will be online and happy. And uh, we're really pumped about this because this is where I think we start to see massive amounts of people actually be able to get into mining because there's going to be a lot of creative things. Like people are going to see this marketplace and they're going to think of new ways that they can make money off of it. And that's what we want. Like I want people to be able to look at this as, okay, Compass has built a funnel. Compass has a platform. How can I monetize it? Like I want to start a business in the space. Now there's this place where I can reach all new miners or all miners that, that want to use products and services that support the mining community. What can I provide to them? And if I can provide it to them, now I can just come to Compass and sell it right through. That's awesome. Again, like if you can zoom out and think about like Amazon as like a marketplace, like Amazon is a business that enabled hundreds of thousands of businesses to be built. So if y'all can even have a fraction of that kind of impact, it's going to be absolutely massive. So I will say that our director of product and analytics is uh, from Amazon. So we hired him in March and he's been the one that's focused on building this for us. So uh, big shout out to Adam. This is, and dude, he is such I mean, he is the Bitcoiner of Bitcoiners, right? He was like, all right, this exists. I can build a marketplace. I don't have to go to my, my you know, cuck bucks job anymore. I can just come and work full-time in Bitcoin. I'm in. And he has driven this thing home. So in November at the uh, World Digital Mining Summit in Dubai, Adam is actually going to be doing a pretty awesome showcase of the marketplace to show everyone all of its full capabilities. And there's a lot that I can't yet talk about, um, but it's gonna be a full experience. People are gonna be able to get started Bitcoin mining less than a thousand bucks. It's gonna be awesome. Wow, okay. Well, I'm excited to see uh, all of these things kind of transpire. Um, you know, again, talking about the marketplace, you know, th that's obviously awesome. And, and I kind of just wanna go back to like where the product is today. Sure. Um, I, I don't think that people really understand how sketchy it is up until even 2020, it is to actually buy hardware from our Bitcoin ASICs, right? Often you're going on a really bad Chinese website. Um, they only accept Bitcoin. Um, there's all these kind of bearish entry, long lead times. There's a lot of horror stories of equipment never, never yeah. getting shipped or delivered. Um, and the fact that compass one is like make you know taking you off telegram and taking you off these like kind of chats or whatever to get your equipment and like making it something yeah. that is like professional and clean you can use your credit card to get the latest uh mining equipment like yeah. i just don't think that uh you know even the average bitcoiner who hasn't done uh you know at least tried to get involved in mining uh really grocks how um how big of a uh, ux improvement y'all have made thanks man uh, you know the Telegram thing got me too. Like it, I, I've been scammed on Telegram, you know? Like I remember Thomas and I were like, when we were kicking this around, we we're running tests and placing orders and like trying new services. And he called me like, yo, lost 10,000 bucks today. I'm like, what, how, how does this happen? I mean, we're supposed to be people who know what's going on. And even experts that are on Telegram, it just, it's so easy to fall into a trap, right? Um, so, you know, for us, the thing that we want, there, there's a lot of good people that are selling hardware on Telegram. So I'm not going to knock everyone that's on there, but I think that it's just, it puts them in, in party with people who are trying to scam others. So you get stuck into this thing where you go onto a Telegram site and you're like, I want to buy machines. Then you get 50 DMs, 25 of them are legit, 25 are from scammers. How do I know which is which, right? So 
as a customer, you're left in the lurch trying to figure this all out for yourself. And you're right. It's super shady. And even when you order from a legit person, you don't feel that comfortable with the purchase itself, right? Because there's not much of a guarantee. So what we're really hoping is that like everyone that's currently an amazing vendor on Telegram, they just move their business to the Compass marketplace, still make their money, right? But they can get the entire ecosystem out of this potential hazard of setting new market entrance up to lose 10, 20, 30,000 bucks, because chances are, if they lose that money for a lot of people, that's all they got. Like if they lose their first 10 K it could put them off of Bitcoin for life. No, that's a strikeout right there. That's not good. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of people like they're coming in with 10 K they're going all in pretty much with that, you know, they're, yeah. and that's all they got. So, uh, if, if they get one shot and they get scammed, like that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty destructive. Yeah. I was sitting in on a talk about home mining and, you know, yeah. the presentation was kind of going through how to get started. And it was like, yeah, go to this telegram group, avoid scammers. Here's some vendors that I like. And I was just like, man, we need to graduate past this. So hearing about, you know, how y'all are, are, you know, kind of taking what you're doing to the next level with this marketplace, absolutely necessary. I mean, dude, in what world do you order anything on telegram? Like, I, I like that. And it doesn't even matter what it is. Like you order everything on a website, everything. So people, and, and again, I'm grateful for, for all of the accolades that we've received. And I, it is incredibly humbling that people think highly of Compass. But we just built a, a website that people could trust, right? So when we're talking about like being groundbreaking, like we just, in an inter- internet world, we just took a buying experience off of Telegram and put it on a website. So for us, sometimes we're like, we feel incredibly blessed um, that we were able to be the first to do it. We just aren't sure how, how it wasn't done before us. Well, again, like, I I just think that the insight that normal everyday plebs want to mine and that opportunity to become available, uh, y'all, y'all just nailed it. Right. So, and that wasn't an easy insight. I think people are realizing this right now that you, you don't have to build an alternative cryptocurrency. So that way you can actually reap, um, some, some mining rewards from home. Um, so For I sure. guess before we close this one out with, I want to get predictions from you, right? right? We're sitting here. It's the 6th of October. We just saw this massive green candle taking us up to 54 K. I've been watching meme videos pretty much all morning up until this podcast, but, um, you know, everyone hates predictions when they're being interviewed, but all the listeners love predictions. So what do you, what do you see for the rest of this year? Um, I'm cheating. I have my chart up, so I, I'm going to look. Um, All right. We're going to get some live TA right here, guys. <laughs> I'm not like, so uh, TA stands for technical astrology, right? It's, uh, it's, it's the middle-aged man's moon charts. Um, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're, we're definitely hitting all-time high this month, right? And I'm going to predict that all-time high is going to happen shortly before my birthday, which is the, uh, the last week of October. Um, who knows? We may see we may see a hundred k Bitcoin by white paper day on October thirty first, but I do think we're going to push past one hundred and twenty k before the end of this year. I, wow. I think that we're going to see we're going to see our December our December pump like we've been fortunate to see for a few years. Um, I think we're going to see that, and I really think that we're going to continue to experience price appreciation on Bitcoin um, leading up to the next halving. 
right? Okay, so I guess this is an interesting prediction. Are you saying that the uh, the classic blow off top and then uh, elongated bear market dynamic is something that's uh, going to be shifting? The, the market's always going to be cyclical. I'm sort of bullish. Every miner is bullish, right? Uh, I think that we see continued price appreciation going into the next halving. After the halving, once we have the reward cut in half, there's going to be that period where things dump because uh, for a little while, at least, mining will become half as profitable just day to day, uh, which is fine. Then we will see the price go back to the next new all-time high, probably three to 400 days after that last having, right? Uh, that tends to be how it is. We, we find our new all-time high sometime between, I think it was JP Barrick who told me this the first time, three to 500 days after the having is when we see our brand new all-time high. And then from there, there's either ranging or a decline. Um, but look, man, if we go to 250,000 and then it retraces to 150K, like, is anyone listening right now going to be upset about that? <laughs> That's still what a three X from where we are right now. So if, if our next big bear market happens when Bitcoin is 150 K and that's where we range until the bull market that takes us to a million, uh, it seems like a good time to buy right now. That's for sure. Some scammer just called me and it, uh, I totally, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, oh, but yeah, uh, I'm going to assume that you were very bullish and uh, and that you made some really uh, insightful predictions and I'll have to listen to it when the podcast comes out. But Wit, <laughs> just to close this one out, um, you know, I want to give you a chance to uh, plug what you're doing at mining where, or at uh, Compass Mining where people can find out a little bit more about that and uh, maybe even the last word for the audience. Yeah, all I would say, first and foremost, CK, is thank you for having me on. Anyone who wants to find me, I'm on Twitter at Bitcoin Broski. You can also go to compass underscore mining to find out more about compass. Uh, Will Foxley and I have started to do a new show uh, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on the compass YouTube. It's called Hot Takes, and it is literally just that. We uh, talk about what's going on in Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, something good to have coffee with. Um, and what I would say to everyone that's out there that's listening is uh, enjoy this time, right? Uh, right now, it's, it's up only season and I th- I, everyone's bullish. Um, but rather than feeling like this is going to end, just understand that for a long enough time horizon, uh, Bitcoin is always up. So even if there's a retrace, stay with it, whether you're hodling or you're mining. Uh, it, this is a long play, right? And the cliche is that it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. So if you're here right now, just make sure you're here 10 years from now, you're going to regret it. No, uh, absolutely. And yeah, I can. I have to reiterate, these are the good times, folks. These are the good times. So enjoy, yes. enjoy, enjoy the bull and uh, you know, stick through the bear and, and keep hobbling, keep hashing, keep doing all those things. Wait, thanks so much for coming on the pod. Great getting in chat to you with you again. Excited to see you in person, hopefully before Miami, but definitely by April uh, 6th through the 9th at Bitcoin 2022. Um, to all the Bitcoiners out there, you can follow me at CK underscore Snarks. You can follow Bitcoin Magazine at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, and until next time, keep stacking. Peace. Thanks, CK. Yep. Yeah.